When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum today for another edition of the fifth quarter. I am Julia Kiera and I am recording on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their continuing connection to the land and waters and that sovereignty of this land was never ceded and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. I am delighted today to be joined by Natalie Wood, the inaugural head coach for Essendon's AFLW team. Natalie has had a long career in women's football as a premiership player with Melbourne University and the Darabin Falcons, as well as coaching stints with Geelong's VFLW and AFLW teams, and most recently as midfield coach with the Western Bulldogs AFLW side. Thank you so much for joining us today, Natalie. Thanks for having me, JC. It's a pleasure to be along. Great. Um, It's lovely to see you. Congratulations on the gig. Thank you. I think for lots of people in Victoria who've been involved in women's football, they know who you are, but you might not be more widely known outside the little bubble of this world. So can you tell us a bit about your background, where you grew up, um, and some of the experiences that have brought you to being the first coach for the Essendon AFLW side? I grew up in Warrnambool on a dairy farm about 20 minutes outside of Warrnambool and then moved, as many people do in the country, moved to Melbourne uh, to study university. You know, I think I caught the 7am train out of Warrnambool the day after my last year 12 exam, so I was pretty keen pretty keen to get out and start start the next chapter um, and spent some time in, in Melbourne. I actually started out studying osteo. Studying osteo and playing cricket was my my thing um, and did that for a few years but in trying to train for cricket stumbled across eight or so women training under pretty much a street light for Melbourne Uni football and that was in 1998 and that ended up being a lot more fun and then over the course of a few <laughs> years transitioned out of cricket and uh, fell more and more in love with football and was really blessed to have had um, 12 years on and off between work and travel with Melbourne Uni and then five years at, at Darabin at, at the end of my career as well. Yeah, f- very good years, uh, very successful years you had playing. What about your coaching? Tell us a bit about what, what coaching you've been doing. Yeah, so coaching is an interesting one. I've been a teacher for 15 years and teaching PE maths. So I guess the art of, of coaching has been being developed whilst being a, a teacher. Um, but in actual fact, when I was sort of getting towards my last days at Darabin, I, I didn't want to be the old person still running around on the football field. So I decided that the only way to do that was to, to pack up and, and move to the country again. And so moved down to Ocean Grove and just severed ties with, with football. Um, and probably got about 12 months into that and then 
realise, which I probably should have realised uh, earlier, just was a bit naive, that life was a bit challenging without sport and <laughs> being involved with a community and, and having that common goal and something to work towards. So at the time, Geelong were going through the process of putting in a licence for the AFLW. So I just reached out to them, having just stepped out of the, I think it was the Victorian academies at the time and and having played in the first two exhibition games for Bulldogs. So I contacted Geelong and just let them know that um, I was in the area if they wanted a a different voice or perspective in uh, helping them put together their licence and they they were terrific. They jumped at the chance to get my view from having had a lived experience and just from there uh, we've formed really good connections and relationships and they didn't get their licence in the first first round so went went to work on putting together a VFLW team and so I joined ranks with them being an assistant coach in as a def- defence coach and then just opportunities started to come about in terms of coaching with Vic Country um, and then coaching being the head coach of AFRW and when Geelong came into the AFRW was able to sort of step into that as well. So I guess from missing community sport, I found my way back into what is now football being an elite sport and I've just been really blessed to have had some terrific mentors and terrific people that have allowed me to explore what I can do as a coach. So the job you've got now, can you tell us a bit about the the process of getting the job at Essendon and, and without being modest or humble... Why did they pick you? Um, I think the first – I'm not sure I can answer that question. Um, the The first thing that Essendon did was, was 12 months ago, they reached out to a number of, of people who were in the AFRW as coaches and as administrators and also players just to – um, step into this space with a real open mind and a sense of curiosity that they were wanting to know what people's experiences were, what what the things that were going well in programs were and perhaps what some of the, the barriers and challenges were. And that was part led by Josh Marnie, uh, who's the general manager of football at Essendon, and he was at Melbourne in this role when AFRW first started. So he was really instrumental in leading this open approach to how can we learn from the the first five, six seasons of AFLW and how can we create a program that allows us to to step in um, trying to be at the level as opposed to, um, you know, trying to start too far behind all the other clubs. So I was, I guess, one of those people that they reached out to and just from that that moment and that process, um, you know, an AFL club being prepared to listen to other people's experiences and not just think they have all the answers straight off the bat just showed that open-mindedness and that that curiosity that, you know, that strikes a real strong chord with me um, as a, an approach. It was obviously an interview process and I was at the start of my second season at, at the Bulldogs at the time and thoroughly enjoying my role there. Uh, the group I got to work with was, particularly with the midfields, was incredible having, you know, draftees coming through but then having the experience and the expertise of Ellie Blackburn and Kirsty Lamb, um, you know. So to be able to work with a real range of players was fantastic and it was proving a lot to help me in terms of my growth. So I wasn't necessarily looking for something else but um yeah through the course of the year and conversations um I guess for Essendon uh, I seemed a good fit and as I got to know more about the program like heading to an expansion team wasn't 
wasn't necessarily on my agenda. Being a head coach perhaps at the start of the season wasn't necessarily, but I guess as you sort of engage in conversations and explore ideas a bit further and, and going through the AFRW season, I, I definitely felt ready um, and felt that Essendon was also a really good fit for me. You've dodged the why are you so good question, but that's all right. We'll get there. Um, so you've been, as you said, you've been involved in quite a few clubs. You've had a lot of experience. What are some of the big lessons you've learned so far in this AFLW space, in women's footy space about how you build a team, how you build success? I think one of the things you hear a lot from players is that they really want to be treated like elite athletes and um, and part of that is is being realistic as to where they are at that journey at that point in time and then working out what their next steps are. Um, so to not just always say that everything's great because everyone's always got something to improve on, but also being able to celebrate, you know, where what people are doing well. But I guess for me it's then being able to stand next to a player with them and go, what's the next step that we need to do together to get you to the next step? So it's not necessarily that it's do as I, I say. I see it as a real joint journey players have their experience from from doing it I get a privileged um, perspective to to view things differently from the player and I I think the real value in coaching and and bringing a new group together is actually going you know what you bring your view I'll bring mine let's stand here together work out what a common goal is and and work towards that you know hand in hand so that I guess that's the approach that I take and that you know that allows us to talk really honestly you know about come from a real improvement cycle and a real improvement mindset you know sort of really want to push players to you know take whatever it is their next step is and and keep keep doing that over and over and that that also then has I have to do that as a coach and I have to lead that with the other coaches that that we you know we're all learning and you know the better we do it the quicker we'll all learn together. And I guess the benefits of collaboration with player and coach and that you're you're doing it together and it's it's a back and forth as well. You spoke to the group about the bravery it's taken for the players and staff to, to leave the clubs that they're familiar with and head to a brand new team, an expansion team. Can you unpack that a little bit for us in the outer and why you think that that's going to be a key theme for you and why it's so important? Yeah, I guess um, it was a really unique moment there, the first training night and to have the, the players, the staff, staff from the broader club and, and the board as well in the room. I, I guess I just saw it as an opportunity to to bring everyone together um, and just celebrate this all the work that has happened in the years leading up to this point. And I think um, to be really inclusive and have strong expectations moving forward. You've got to be able to appreciate and understand the past and different people's roles that, that they've played. Through our conversations in the expansion signing period, and you know, we spoke to a lot of players, um, you know, to, to work out how our approach was going to be with our list management. And you could see it in the players. You'd have some really, you know, great conversations, but you could see this real unknown factor that would just wash over them and you could see that there'd be some wanting to go you know what it sounds great it looks great I'm hearing everything I want to hear but there's this massive step that they had to take that was so unknown you know that I guess when you look at Mads Prosparkas and Georgia G and and Bonnie Toogood, they were the first three that signed or committed to signing, um, you know, quite early in the piece. And and that was huge because the three of them were going through that process each in isolation. And 
And to make that decision, to be one of the first to take that step into this space, like that's incredibly brave. All the players on our list and the, the players that we've been able to elevate from our VFRW, players that have come in from other VFRW, it, it's all new. They, they get to be a part of setting the expectations. They get to be a part of, of driving what we do. And, and that does take bravery. And there'll be times it's a brutal game, like it's scrutinised, it's it's public, and there will be times that, you know, their confidence has little wax and little dints and I want them to be able to centre back to this moment that they showed a lot of strength uh, in their own character to sign up with Essendon. And if I can tap into that and if I can unpack that a little bit to help galvanise what we do as a group from the beginning, then, you know, as a a coach bringing 30 people together and you've got 10 weeks, so I'm going to find whatever I can to to tap in and, and get this group on the same page as quick as possible. Yeah, and there's a, there's a unique opportunity, I think, when you're in a fresh place, a fresh start, that people don't need to bring, I guess, um, the expectation or reputation or whatever they've got hanging around them with them. That uh, You would have experienced this in teaching. You know, you get a handover from year 10 to year 11, oh, little Jimmy's a little rascal. And, you know, if you te- you treat Jimmy as the new t- as his new teacher as a rascal. He'll be a rascal. <laughs> People can wipe the slate clean about what might be expected of them and, and reset and create something new in terms of their identity and their expectations about themselves. And it is very exciting. I think I've you know in terms of player movement that we've seen that the that some players will really benefit from starting again and saying, you know what, you think I'm X Y Z. Well, I'll show you. I'm I'm actually capable of more, and you've you've pigeonholed me. I don't think that's specific to Essendon. I think that's specific with all player movement, the opportunities it gives for for women and non-binary players to do that. Yeah, most definitely. And then also too in the, the existing clubs, uh, because of the movement, it, it equally allows players uh, to step into gaps that have perhaps not necessarily been there for them to uh, have prior as well. So I think it... Um, you know, as frustrating as expansion can feel to the fans and, and the people, you know, we're now at 18 teams. So hopefully there is a, a level of stability for, you know, moving forward. But expansion players, but also existing players, I think 120 new people coming into the, the competition does allow uh, players to, to step into something um, that perhaps they, they hadn't previously. And but also a part of it too, and something that now I question the players that, that we've got here and I, I really challenge them. I mean, like just putting on a new jumper doesn't bring change. Mm-hmm. Like it, it gives you the opportunity to create change, but it's really it's really up to the players. You actually have to change something. You actually have to change the way you push through your weights in the gym or the way that you push through or your attitude to your running that just putting a new logo on isn't everything. It creates the opportunity, but it's really in the player's hands. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Ali Blackburn and you're listening to the Yadda Sanctum. 
You've compiled a really well-balanced list with lots of experience and X Factor. So what was the club looking for in that signing period? First and foremost, and you, you hear it often, um, you know, the, the conversation around talent versus character, and that can be quite broad at, at times. Um, for us, the digging into the character and it, I guess it lends itself to what Essen's trying to do, but also for me as a coach is that the people coming in have to want to get better. They can't step in going, I'm at my peak, you're just going to learn from me. It's uh, whether you feel you're at the peak, I'm, I'm going to push you to go, what else can you do? What What's something different we can do? What's something more? Or can we just do it more often? So all the people coming in have a want to be better. That's really key because if we've got that, then we can get together and start working on, on what we're doing. But equally too, you know, we want that um, to be able to recognise and celebrate the success of the VFLW program that Essendon's been able to do over the last four or five years in terms of establishing a really good culture, developing some really good players. So being able to have nine of our players come through from our VFLW program onto our AFLW list and being able to recognise that program it was one part of our strategy um, and with that you know half of them are players that have been on an AFLW list before so you know that speaks to their character they've been on a list they've been bumped out they've gone away they've worked at their craft or their fitness or their approach to the game and they've got themselves back into a position where they're, they're ready for another goal and that that speaks volumes to me and, and the rest of the list management team. And then from a current AFRW player perspective in terms of, you know, we're keen to get really good players um, and, you know, we, like all teams, you you want, you know, really good players and we're able to to pitch a really quality program that we think we've put together. But like all expansion teams, you, you didn't get everyone that, that you, you know, first put up on the drawing board. But, geez, we're really impressed with the the players that we've been able to get. We've got 23 players at the moment. Uh, Jess Wooshen is still on her way down from Brisbane, so we'll have her next week. And so the on the track this week, the, the calibre of skills and character that we've got has is, is just been phenomenal. But, you know, that's the first piece in a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. Like, we've got to get to work now. Like, just because we've got good people and a good range of football talent, that, that doesn't mean that it's going to bring us success. We, we now need to knuckle down and get to work on our fitness and get to work on our football and, and get to work on how we, we play together. So it, it's really only just beginning. It's a short run-up to this season, but I guess you've got a, a big group that have, have just bounced out of a season or they're playing VFLW so they're not coming from zero. So what should SNM fans be getting excited about this first year? I, I think that firstly that we get to represent them, um, mm. that, you know, we've got fans across Melbourne, across Victoria, across uh, the whole country and, and internationally and, and finally, you know, it's the same for for Hawthorne fans and Sydney and Port Adelaide that that now these people that have followed their their clubs, you know, for such a long period of time actually get to follow both the men's and the women's competitions. And I think that's fantastic. And it, it's a real credit to everyone in the industry that within seven years, we've gone from no AFLW to 18 teams. And, you know, that that's incredible. And I guess I've always said that I sort of had a bit of an industry first focus. Uh, when I was at Geelong and Bulldogs, if things were getting, decisions were getting made, I was sort of always keen to make sure AFLW and the, the women's game had a sense of sustainability to it. And that, 
it wouldn't feel that we were really rock solid until all AFL men's teams had an AFLW team. And uh, I've always said that once there was 18 teams in, then I'd start to get super competitive again. So as the coach of one of these last teams coming in, I think that the fans um, hopefully can can get about a a group of players that take the field um, ready to win four points and if we win great we'll work out what we did well and keep trying to do that and if we don't we'll we'll get to work on on trying to work out how we can win the next game so it's going to be a a pretty competitive approach that we take um understanding that it's also going to be you know it's a long journey we're we're a new group and we'll we'll ride the bumps the highs and the lows as as we go through this first season you mentioned there that you are one of the the new coaches coming in and we we've gone from you know zero women coaches uh, in 2022a to 3 in in 2022b and you've been in the system for a while so what have you noticed along the way that's changing or perhaps not changing enough for women coaches or coaches that are trying to get into the system yeah really good question the it's, it's sort of a, a fine line between like the competition is is still all so new so there's this natural growth and evolution of of the players that we're seeing on the field and and that holds true for for all facets of the industry and and coaches are you know we're within that group as well like we're an evolving and and growing group we weren't already made I couldn't be doing the job that I'm about to do this year I couldn't have been doing it three years ago or four years ago so you know we've, we've all got to learn and grow as we go through but equally there's there's been a lot of initiatives from AFL Victoria and also the AFL in terms of giving female coaches opportunities um, to grow and in this last 12 months I've been doing some work with AFL Victoria in the community female coaching space and that's brought me so much joy Um, the, the passion that the sheer volume of females coaching in community sport and people's want to talk about the game and talk about how to develop skills is 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 so heartwarming to see the groundswell that is coming. It is for a lot of coaches, um, you know, it is an unfamiliar space, and and some clubs are, are more ready for female participation in football than than others and I'm talking from you know the the whole way through all ranges of football from Auskick through to the top level and there's some different barriers that you know at times we've got to work through but but sometimes it's also our own barriers I found that here at Essendon when I you know my first couple of weeks stepping in and I, I was really cautious of what I was doing and who I was talking to and not wanting to get in people's way and after about two weeks someone asked me oh how's it going what are some of the barriers and I had to stand back and I'm like the biggest barrier was actually myself like because mm. the club was so ready for the women's program so ready for me to be in all the the men's coaching discussions and meetings and on the training track but it was actually my own barriers that was stopping what I was doing so you know there's it's different for different people but the nine clubs where the inaugural forget the name of it but um you know they're the coaching initiative the Mm. AFL have put in place so you know as of you know this year there's there's nine females coaching within the men's space you know for for young coaches male and female to see elite female coaches at the you know at the elite level that 
it's it's going to have a, a big positive impact o- over time. Yeah, so you're speaking to the, the, the clubs making space for, you know, having women coaches but you giving yourself permission to take up that space and own it. You are a head coach at Essendon and, and you have every right to be there. But it is, um, you know, it is an indoctrinated way of being, I guess, as, um, as women and women in male-dominated spaces as well to find that permission to give yourself. Um, and it's different for different people too. So, you know, if you spoke with Alicia Eva or Chelsea Randall, their experiences might be really different but because they've they've lived as players in this space as well. So for me, I haven't done that. So I'm sort of coming in from it without having been a player. So no one person's experience is is everyone's experience. And, you know, I'm sure that some people would, you know, look at some of the things that I do and be like, that was really different to me. And that that's okay. And I think that that's what we need to be mindful of is that everyone's journey is a bit different and we need to as we do with the players like we cater to their development individually and we need to make sure that we do that with with female coaches as well we need to cater for people's development at at their point of need as we're talking here I I can remember a picture of you I think it was either in the first or second exhibition game maybe at the final siren where the Bulldogs had lost and you're kind of flopped over absolutely exhausted and wrecked uh or no sorry you wouldn't have been exhausted because you're the fittest person around but disappointed because you're a competitive beast and I'm, I'm wondering about how competitive you are that yourself and Loz are now premiership Falcons are both going to be coaching expansion teams and do you have some kind of competition going for wins losses this year between the two of you? Oh, if you're talking about the second exhibition game, I actually was given the relentless task of tagging Daisy, so no wonder <laughs> I was exhausted. I think we had like 45,000 possessions, so um, that that would be why that photo looked like that. Um, and I'm glad I've never seen it. Um, I don't think I played a game of football ever since. I'll, I'll fish it out somewhere. <laughs> what I will say about the group of female coaches that I've connected with so far is that first and foremost, there's a collegiality. So I've walked into to functions and, you know, as, as much of the rivalry that Essendon and Hawthorne are going to have, because they have a rich rivalry anyway, let alone being two Melbourne teams coming in at the same time. You know, I, I can imagine that if they did happen to put us round one, like that, that, that's going to be a pretty big rivalry. But, you know, I've walked into a few things since my appointment and Beck's appointment. And, you know, the first person to come up and have start chatting and talking football and where we're at to and what are we doing is Beck. And so there's a real camaraderie I spoke with Loz the day after she got her appointment over in Port Adelaide and you know just talking not the nitty-gritty and giving away anything but that whole that support mechanism and and having that there is is really important and it so it's that sent that creates a foundation but yeah come game day I mean there's as an expansion team like every win's gonna be you know terrific so you'll take each and every win that you can um, yeah, but definitely you want to be able to – the matches against the other expansion teams, which is where the other two female coaches are, um, you know, that's uh, – every game's a challenge. A few of the players that you signed um, spoke of the fact that they grew up as Essendon supporters and this is a childhood dream to play for the club that they um, that they always barrack for. What club did you barrack for? Very good question. Collingwood. Oh. <laughs> um. I have some beautiful photos of me in a lovely 
Collingwood jumper playing Little League against Carlton, uh, the best mullet that you can see <laughs> getting around on a 12-year-old. Maybe I'll show you that to you one day. Maybe <laughs> it'll never surface, but um, diehard Collingwood supporter. Um, I'd family that uh, Ken and Mark Fraser, um, mum's first cousins, played for Essendon. So there was always a, a small connection with Essendon, but yeah, I grew up hating Essendon. So it, <laughs> it took me months to come around to taking this position, don't you worry? <laughs> well, everyone's able to change and grow and improve and you're proving that right now. Look, thank you so much, uh, Woody, for your time. I asked you off air before we started whether I should call you Woody or Natalie and you told me the one name that you don't like being called, which is? I just don't like Nat Wood. Nat Wood. Okay, everyone, you've got it. Don't call her Nat. Thank you so much for your time. Um, Really looking forward to seeing Essendon this year, all the four teams coming in, and just really excited for Essendon supporters to finally see an AFLW team in their colours. Yeah, thank you so much for your time, Woody. Before we go, can I ask you a question? Okay. Yep. So I'm actually surprised that you've been able to come around and have this conversation with me since taking two of your Carlton players out of your list. (laughs) Are we still friends? <laughs> I just want people to go where they're happy. I might have put a bit of mayo on it when I was on the pod talking about it. And, you know, I'm happy for those guys and can't wait for Carlton to beat you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but we're still mates. It's fine. Fair <laughs> <cool>. Okay. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.